0: Hey, turn with me in your Bible to Acts 21. I've titled the message, We Win with a Big God. How many of you know it's always great to win? It's always fun to win. Since you brought your Bibles again, turn with me to Acts 21. Let me just ask you, how many of you have ever been, not a fan of a winning team, but actually on like a championship, a winning team? Come on, I know at Austin P. we got a bunch of you guys over there that are winners. And uh, man, so many of the sports, at Austin P are champion sports, golf and tennis and football, and man, they're just getting better and better and better all the time. Our baseball team is amazing, softball team is amazing, basketball. How many of you ever worked for a winning company? Like you've won in the field, you're those top research firm in America, you know, whatever it is. Maybe you've served in a battalion with great victory and no casualties, right? Just win-win-win. Maybe you're a fan of a Super Bowl winner, or maybe you're a part of a winning, amazing church. That was a softball right there. You see what I did? It's an affirmation junkie. There's just something great about being on a winning team. For a lot of reasons, you get to celebrate wins. Nobody hates celebrations, right? You get to take part in the pleasure of winning. When you're winning, you brag about it to others. Like you become a winning team evangelist, right? You get to help recruit others to be a part of a winning team. I'll never forget. I've I've gotten to serve for about five years as the team chaplain for the Austin Peay State University football team. And this year, Pastor Jordan, our Austin Peay campus pastor, he and his wife served there as pastors, um, has really taken the lead. But two years ago, I'll never forget, as chaplain of the team, standing on the sidelines, when Austin Peay won the OVC championship. I mean, first time in decades. It was amazing, amazing time to be on that field. The crowd rushed the field. The fans were out there, the band was playing. It was electrifying. Nobody was in a bad mood when you win. And I'm going to tell you, it was worth celebrating. They won handsomely. They won an entire season. They pushed hard. It was a worthy expense. How many of you know it's always fun to buy the winning swag? You ever wonder after a Super Bowl, what happens to the losing team's hats? You know what I'm saying? Like they come right out with Super Bowl 57, New Orleans Saints. I'm prophesying. They come out with the Saints hats, right? Then what happened to the boxes of the other team's hats? It's a bonfire somewhere, you know? <laughs> and then they say, You can get your hat right now at NFL.com. It's always a worthy investment to wear winning gear, to put on the winning merch. And man, it's easy to recruit for winning teams. In fact, I'm an Austin P. Let's Go Govs evangelist. You know what I'm saying? Like people ask me, of course, I graduated from the University of Tennessee, but I've said it for years. I'm a Govs fan, man. I'm an Austin P. fan. As team chaplain, honestly, this was one of the privileges that I got. Uh, I I love getting, I I never got hit by a guy in shoulder pads. I never had to catch a ball. I never got tackled by anybody. I never even had to drink through a water bottle through a face mask, you know what I'm saying? I came and I brought spiritual encouragement and pastoral care and and, and, but when they won that championship, they called me and said, chaplain gets the bling. Oh, it's nice to be on a winning team. Nice to be, man. This ring is. I got nine more fingers to fill up. So we gonna win, 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 win. I will always chaplain a winning team. You know what I'm saying? If I get jewelry out of it. You ever put a ring on and you just kind of walk around with it? So, uh, hello. I just, I, <laughs> I just want to rock it for a minute. How y'all doing? I mean, y'all just y'all see me swinging. <laughs> My friend Gator Day back there with eight rings on his hands right now. It's nice to be on a winning team. It's nice to carry the brand. It's easy to sell and share with others when you're winning. Like no, it's, it's hard to recruit to a losing squad. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I heard a story this morning from Pastor Christian. He says, uh, part of Alabama, hold your groans, uh, part of their, Part of their recruiting tactic, it's real simple. They'll sit at a table with a young family, a young recruit, and they'll go, why should we play for you? And they go, because um, we win all the time. And that's it, that's the recruiting strategy. It's not money or shirts, or we win. And it's always easy to recruit to a winning team. Well, I just wanna tell you something. When it comes to winning, Life Point Church, you and I are on the best winning team ever. We're on team Jesus. Listen to me. We are constantly the victor. We're always the overcomer. He has defeated the power of sin over you forever. He's taken away the sting and the threat of dying forever. He's overcome the devil's schemes. Listen, the power of temptation is not that powerful. You might be weak, but our God is strong and we have the power to overcome temptation. He's given you victory, not only in this life, but in the life to come, eternal life. Why? Because Jesus raised from the dead and he lived forevermore. And when we put our hope and our faith in Jesus, I know it sounds maybe trite, or maybe you think I've heard this all before, but you need to be reminded today, church, our world has a lot of hills and a lot of valleys, but we serve a God who's never off his throne, who's always risen, who's always winning. And because we belong to him, we are winning. Listen, because he raised from the dead, we can know God. We can be an intimate fellowship and relationship with the God of the universe because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We can find freedom and be delivered from bondage of sin and, and our past and our yesterdays and our pain because we have victory in Jesus who's overcome sin and death and despair. He sets us free for real. We get to discover our purpose and walk in God's divine design for our lives. Why? Because Jesus made a way for us to no longer be called sinners, but sons and saints and daughters of the most high God. Listen to me, we can make a difference in an otherwise busted up, broken down the drain culture, because we are Christ ambassadors. We are co-laborers with Christ. We are commissioned by Jesus to share the good news and to serve him. I don't know about you, but I want you to hear me. Christianity, is a winning team. Did you know that Christianity is growing rapidly all around the world? Christianity is the only rapidly growing religion on the face of the planet. You know why? Because no other faith system preaches that we can have eternal life through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of God himself. We win. Life may be hard, life may be dramatic at times, but I'm telling you, you stay close to Jesus, you're on the winning team. There's something about being on a winning team and then going asked to be recruited by the losing team. And some of us, I'm afraid we keep dipping out on Sunday going, okay, let me get on these losing squads again. It's time to say close to Jesus, tethered to the Lord, close to his word, involved in his church because we are winning with Jesus. That was the attitude of Jesus Christ. That was the attitude of the apostle Paul. That was the attitude of the disciples. And you and I need to have that attitude too. Listen, there's so much negativity. There's so much drama. There's so much losing in our world right now. I'm not asking you to bury your head in the sand. I'm asking you to walk above the sand and walk like some winners. Put your ring on it. You need to walk around with a championship attitude. This ain't some like pie in the sky, name it, claim it kind of theology. I'm talking the Bible says we win. We win. I have victory over sin. Look at me, everybody. You don't have to give in to temptation anymore. You know why? Because you're a son of the most high God. You don't have to give in to sexual immorality. You don't have to give into losing your your cool with your kids. You don't have to give into your flesh to look at that website again. You have victory over this present darkness, over the sin of this world, because Jesus has raised from the dead. Everywhere Paul went was an opportunity for him to preach team Jesus. How many of you know it's easy to recruit to a winning team? Everywhere he went, he talked about the Lord. Remember last two weeks ago, I preached in Acts 20 24. He said, my goal is to let everyone I meet know all about this extravagant generosity of the gospel. For others to hear about Jesus, for others to walk with him, brings us back into Acts 21. I wanna remind you what's been going on. The apostle Paul has been on this third trip of missions. He's been around the known world at the time, around the Mediterranean, and he's been on foot for thousands of miles and he's making his way back to Jerusalem. And he comes back to Jerusalem and we got set up. How many of you thankful for Pastor Bo's message last week? Follow God when it's hard, right everybody? And we get back to Jerusalem. And the first thing we see the Apostle Paul, he finally gets back to Jerusalem. I mean, he's been waiting for years and he finally gets back. Jerusalem is his hometown, his homeland. That's where they sent him. Y'all like how I'm just swinging my winning ring around here like this? (laughs) feel so confident. Celebrate, watch this. First thing Paul does when he gets to town, celebrate what God's doing. This is amazing. He's been on the road for years, on foot, traveling, been beat up, in prison, thrown around, threatened with an inch of his life multiple times. And the first thing he does, watch this, is celebrate what God is doing. Watch this, verse 17. So when he had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. Remember, Luke is writing this, writing about them together. When he came to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all of the elders were present. Now look, first thing Paul does when he gets back home, goes to church. First thing he does does is get to the church house. Remember, it's a very long missionary journey through what we now know as the regions around the Mediterranean Sea, modern day Greece, Syria, Turkey, Northeast Africa, back to Israel, more specifically to Jerusalem. This is the seat of the faith of God's people. And notice his first move was to get to the leaders of the church, the elders, the pastors, the overseers, the theologians, and he gets to them first and we're gonna see that he gives a report. By the way, this is James, the half brother of Jesus Christ. This isn't James like Peter, James and John, that guy was killed a couple chapters ago. This is James, the half brother of Jesus who would later write the book of James. And he comes to James, by the way, a lot of people have always said that Peter was the leader of the church, but it's clear as you read through Acts, Peter's kind of missing right now. James is the one really leading the church. James is really like the first father of the church in the New Testament. But he comes to the half brother of Jesus and he comes to bring some good news. I just want to thank God. Paul models his first action was to connect to the church, was to check in with the leadership. And he does, so, he does so by bringing great news. Watch this, after greeting them, he relates one by one. What a long testimony service, y'all. You know, they had to switch them organ players out because this had to go a long time. And then I went to Tiberius, <laughs> no, 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 no. And then this one guy, you know, one by one, Paul starts telling the stories of the great things that God has done among the Gentiles through his ministry. I want you to see the pattern here. It's God who always does great things. And God does great things in other people, and he does great things through us. Some of us say, I wish God would just show up, send an angel to my boss and change his life. Yeah, the angel's you. God wants to do great things in them through his people. God always wants to work through his people. So Paul comes in, not bragging on him. He's bragging on God, but he's acknowledging that God used me to heal this person. Deliver! Oh man, Eutychus. This little kid fell out the window, y'all. That was crazy. And I just walked over and laid on him like Elijah and he got up. God healed him and he used me to do it. And it says that they heard this and they glorified God. Listen to me. Their first move the first move of Paul was to get to the church, get to the pastor, get to the leadership and report all the great things that God has been doing. He didn't come back and turn in receipts. He didn't come in to try to schedule meetings with donors or get with his assistant. He didn't get back and take 30 days of R&R because he's been working really hard. He comes right back from his third trip around the region. Some scholars suggest his total footprint was over 10,000 miles on foot. He didn't have a bus tour with his face on the side. (laughs) Paul rolling through Tiberias, like Paul was on foot preaching the gospel town to town. Notice his first move was to report how big our God is, to celebrate Jesus and the big things God is doing. Notice Paul never starts with complaints. Man, I went to this one town, they beat the devil out of me. They put put me in stocks, they whipped me so bad, I got snake bit seven different times. He didn't start with any complaints. His first move was to celebrate Jesus, why? Because Paul understood we're on a winning team. Man, we got victory in Jesus. I wanna encourage you with the same behavior, church. Can we please get back? to being a celebration testifying church that talks about the good things God has done. We live in a world with enough bad news. Listen, have you ever noticed when you watch the news, it's all bad news? It's all negative, somebody was shot, somebody's car blew up, somebody fell off a roof, you know, whatever it is. And then like, it's always such bad news, the newscaster will go, and now for some good news. It's one story out of the entire 30 minutes of news. Scroll social media, this comparison world that we live in. And, 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 and listen, I promise you, you're not gonna change the world's minds by engaging that argument. This'll fix them all. <laughs> Can we just get into a celebration mode again, church? Celebrate Jesus, celebrate the good things God has done. If, we, if we're not careful, we become so negative. We become so despondent. We get so focused on the bad things going on around us that we no longer even believe the good things that God does or that he can do good anymore. Can I just tell you some of the things happening in your church? Maybe you go, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to celebrate. Let me give you some good things God's doing. We recently got a story of a young soldier whose marriage since being at Life Point, has been fully restored This soldier's mother started watching us online and joining the church and became a follower of Jesus. This family had a new baby dedicated to the Lord and God has fully healed and restored their family. Even the soldier's mother came to Christ. Come on, Jesus. Aren't you glad for that? We have a story of a young person, of a person, I'm not sure if it's a man or woman because I didn't see the name on it. So I'm gonna call it a a lady who walked through Financial Peace University with us. And after 10 years of having a car note, paid off her car load. She was nervous about it. She said, I'm gonna take the risk. I'm gonna pay off my debt. And after 10 years, found herself debt-free because of the ministry of your church and then said, I'm gonna step out on a limb and I'm gonna tithe 10% for the first time in my life. And within weeks, got a 17.9% pay raise. Come on, Jesus. Aren't you glad of the God we serve? We had a student go on a missions trip to Guatemala and while there, radically saved, gave his life to Jesus, was baptized while serving on a trip with your church. Amen. In Life Point, in your church, God's healing people, changing lives, saving people, marriages being restored, people finding real freedom from her- hurts, habits, hangups, and addictions. Man, I, I, I'm, I'm tracking a guy in your church who just got a 100 days sober Amen. because of what God's doing in his life. We give away turkeys, we, 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 we do bags by the bumpers to be generous because it's always better to give than to receive, we have a lot to celebrate. We've seen God do great things, not only in the past, but we see God doing great things for our future. In fact, we are in process of building the plans and the process to now build our new North Campus, which we actually paid the land off, we're fully debt-free on 12 acres on exit one, and we're gonna continue to see God's hand there as well. Man, we got great things going on. Why? Because we're winning. All we're doing with Christ, we're winning, winning, winning. Why? Let's celebrate. Why should we celebrate? Because celebration makes much of Jesus. It makes much of how great our God is because it builds the faith of others. People around you will be like, why are you so happy all the time? Because I serve a winning God. I serve a resurrected Savior. I I don't serve some dead idol up on a cross. I serve a resurrected Christ who came up off that cross. And we win in Jesus' name. People ask, them, why do you have so much joy in a broken world? Cause this world's not all there is. And people are getting saved and delivered and set free. And, and the, the economy says this, but God's economy gave that lady a raise because we're winning. Man, it makes much of Jesus. It builds the faith of others. It's always easy to evangelize to a winning team. Man, you should come check out my church. You should come hang out with me and my small group. It reminds us that the goodness of God still available. If all you do is hear the bad news of our world, you will struggle to believe in the goodness of God. People ask questions like, how could a good God let this happen? Well, people are still broken and evil, but our God is still good. Yes, right. Celebrate the good things God is doing. Let, that's why, let me tell you how. This is a really simple steps. You should write this down. Raise your hand and say, I got something good to share. Like next time you're in your small group, plug, go to small groups. When you're in small group this week, just when they're going around, do we have any prayer requests? And somebody's like, I got bursitis, I got toe jam, bunion issues. I got, you know, whatever. I don't know. Just go, I don't need prayer. I got some praise. Let me tell you what God's doing in my life. I'm walking around with a limp because of this bursitis. I don't even care because God says I'm an overcomer. Hallelujah. Like just share goodness. Raise your hand and tell somebody, go to work tomorrow and say, hey, how you doing? Well. It's another Monday. Well, let me tell you what God's doing for me. Just tell the good news, talk about it. Be a good news enthusiast, be a gospel evangelist. Quit sharing bad news, man, we got enough of that. How do we do it? Raise your hand and tell somebody. can I tell you something awesome that happened to me this week? I don't believe in that God of yours. Okay, well, let me tell you why you should. Raise your hand in your dream team when you're parking cars out there and folks won't go in the spot you tell them to. Y'all laugh because you do it in our parking team, man, we pray for them. They don't slash your tires while you're in here. (laughs) Just walk off. That's never happened yet. While you're serving in the parking lot team or in Kid Point, don't, don't forget the opportunity to say, hey, let me tell you what God's doing in my life, rocking them babies, saying, aren't these babies great? Let me tell you what God's doing. Why don't you post online about the good things God has done? Why don't you tell some winning story? We're good news people. like We're gospel people. That means good news. Let's be good news people. So Paul comes into town. The first thing he does, he finds a church. I want to encourage you to get committed to church, even if you're new to town. If you're in a new town, find a church. Share something good that God's doing. Second thing he doesn't do is get involved in the drama. My Lord, he does not let the drama hold him down. Now, I'm, I'm trying to unpack a really difficult text into some concepts for us. So Paul comes back to Jerusalem with all this good news. And they respond not with, let's have a revival. They go, wow, here's some bad news. Anybody ever had that happen in your life? Come home from work, today was awesome. Well, fine, take your children because I've been up here stressing all day long. It's It's never happened in my house, I'm just saying. Paul comes in with this great news and they respond with some drama. So they say to him, you see brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed, not, this is great. Paul's like, awesome, thousands of people. Yeah, I think of Jerusalem. It's the home of the Jewish faith. And Paul left years ago on this missionary journey and he's come back and they're telling him thousands of these Jewish people, since you've left, have come to faith in Jesus. This is great news, everybody. I mean, the Jerusalem that Paul left is not the Jerusalem that he's come back to. By the way, um, the, these would be called, uh, some, some people use the term a completed Jew or a messianic Jew. They're Jewish by birth and culture and upbringing, but now they're followers of Jesus. So Paul says, man, look what God's doing all around the world. And they're saying, look what God's doing here in your city. And then they go, this is probably James and the elders. They say thousands have come to faith in Jesus. They're all zealous. She doesn't like this sermon. <laughs> they're all zealous for the law. That's interesting. The apostle Paul has been preaching zeal for for Jesus, zeal for the gospel. And they're saying, all these people have come to faith in Christ and they're really zealous for the law. So I'm sure Paul is going to explain that to me. They have been told about you, here we go. Anybody ever had somebody say, hey, I'm hearing people say, I've heard, this is the, this is the message I get as pastor. I'm not, I'm not saying this to gossip, but I've heard people say. You know how to gossip in Jesus' name, right? I don't mean to gossip, but pray for Charlie because, and then you just say all the gossip, but it's prayer requests, right? You know what I'm saying? All right. (laughs) So they say to Paul, thousands of people have come to faith in Jesus and they're all zealous for the law, which Paul has been teaching zeal for Jesus. And then he said, they have been told about you, these thousands of Jewish converts, they've been told about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or not to walk according to our customs. Let me just show you some red flags of drama. When someone responds to good news with bad news, flag. Like I have this statement I've told my wife, please don't say bad news when I'm excited. Like when I'm dreaming and oh man, that'll never work. I don't have time for that. You know what I'm saying? When they respond to good news with bad news, but look at some of the, this is what people are saying about you, not about us or them. You're the target of this conversation. Notice the extreme language. They said, you teach all the Jews. Well, Paul hasn't even met all the Jews or taught all, it's an impossibility. You ever had somebody say to you, you do this to me all the time. That's not fair, that's not good fighting. We have a rule in our our marriage, you can't use exhaustive language when you fight. You never, you always, that's what they're doing here. They're saying about you that you teach all the Jews and then they just, now the the, the elders telling him this are just reporting to Paul, but what they report are lies. They say, you're telling people to forsake Moses. That means the law, all of the, the covenant language and the law in the first part of their Bible. You're telling people don't circumcise their children. And don't walk according to the customs. And they said, what, what are we to do about this? People are gonna hear that you've come back. And I love that Paul doesn't even like acknowledge it. He doesn't go, okay, let's call a meeting. Let's do a churchwide business meeting. Let me put out a statement. Let me call the press. I'll have my wife stand next to me and we'll just do a statement. He doesn't engage the drama at all. Let me just show you a little bit about what this is. Um, his response to false accusations. He never taught all the Jews anything, but he never taught them to reject or forsake Moses, to forsake or abandon the laws of Moses. What he did say, now how many of you know people always hear what they wanna hear and they'll misconstrue what they've heard to fit their narrative. So what he did say was the law was up until Jesus. And he says, Jesus fulfills the law and your obedience to those rules won't save you, but Jesus saves you. He says it like this in other places. He goes, keep doing the law, like keep not murdering. Keep not lying. Keep on honoring your parents, but that doesn't save you. Follow Jesus. Don't follow the law for salvation, follow Jesus. So what Paul didn't get the opportunity to defend was the rest of what he was saying. Yeah, you don't need to follow the law. You need to follow Christ. Do the law, but follow Jesus. Then they said, well, you they're saying that you said not to circumcise their children. What he actually said was that circumcision won't save you. If circumcision saves you, then Jesus died for nothing. What he he goes on to say is actually the circumcision is a cut of the heart where the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you and change you. So you don't have to depend on the circumcision of your flesh. You need to be circumcised in the heart and let God change you. Oh, but they didn't share that part of the story because dramatic people always have their narrative and they never tell the full story and they're accusatory. So Paul comes back to his town and they go, guess what people are saying about you? That you told all the Jews to never follow Moses, to never do circumcision and to avoid our customs. Can I just encourage you people, dramatic people, sometimes dramatic people are dramatic even after Jesus. It's why we have a new small group here called How to Quit Being Dramatic. Drama happens because people are around and power and disrupting ways of life and, and unsettling people's ways of thinking and doing things will always stretch people. Listen, I've worked with church people a long time. Church people have it in them. These are all new converts. Church people have it in them to be wrong, to be misguided, to be power hungry, to be dramatic. Sometimes people will lie on you. We've had people lie on us at the church. When well, that big old church down there, they all oh, they want your money. No, we don't we want to change the world all they want all, all they want that's a cult i've been told i'm a cult leader a lot welcome <laughs> i'm not a cult leader for all of you that are curious <laughs> people people just love to make up stuff you ever heard of conspiracy theories moon landing flat earth theory Give all your money to social security, you'll get it back. I'm just naming a few that I can think of (laughs) off the top of my head. Hear me out, I'm just messing. Don't lose sight of victory because you're chasing fires. Don't forget, look, you don't have to defend the losing team when you're winning. You don't have to defend the losing team when you're winning. Put the ring back on, put your identity in Christ back on, walk with your head held high. Hey, they can say whatever they want because I know who I am in Christ. I know what's true, I'm tethered to my church, I'm in my small group, they know me, they hold me accountable, I'm I'm undercover, and I know what God's doing in our church. Man, could you imagine chasing the 10% of critics instead of running with the 90% of fans? You know what I'm saying, y'all, come on now. Stay focused, repel drama, live your life in the light, live like winners on mission with Jesus. People can say all sorts of unbelievable stuff about you and your family but you stay on mission with Jesus, stay focused, pursue him. I promise you, he'll defend you. I had a mentor tell me in the first year, second year of ministry here, we had some accusations that were false and I was mad. And I'm like, I'll just hold a meeting. I'll say what's real true and I'll do it too. I didn't even care, I was ready. Like, come at me, bro, I will say the truth. And my pastor said to me, if you spend all your time chasing every little fire, you're gonna miss out on people you need to reach for Jesus trying to put out fires for those that don't want to be reached for Jesus. Just stay focused on winning. You know what winning teams don't do? Watch the game film of losing. Man, that'll preach all day. You hear what I'm saying? Stay focused on the mission of God. We serve a good God with some good news, some great things that God's doing. We're about to come into Christmas, y'all. Great news of great joy for all people. Right, everybody? Finally, I want you to hear this and then I got to close because we're out of time. We can accommodate to people. We can come to their level, but don't compromise. Now, accommodation is an interesting word. Some people don't like it, but but accommodation is when we oblige people who are in need of extra care. Now, this is a really interesting text. Paul comes back, he celebrates, they tell him the bad news and he doesn't get involved in the drama. He just submits to leadership and he accommodates to people to help them on their journey with Jesus. To accommodate is, to, is to, to, to lower your language, so to speak. It's to come meet people at their own level. Let me give you an example. You know how to accommodate with kids, right? You don't talk to kids at doctor level. You talk to kids at kid level. It's like if your little nephew, Billy, wants to throw baseball with you in the front yard and he's four, you don't go, I was a college ball player and you wind up a 90 mile an hour fastball, right, coach? Come on. And you slug it into his chest and you go, man up, little boy. You go, here you go, Billy. Billy you accommodate. And that's how we need to treat people sometimes who don't know what we know or serve the God that we serve the way we serve him. But sometimes in the church world, we're so used to staying high and lofty and holy that we won't accommodate to people and take them on the journey of growth. So Paul is celebrating first thing back in town. He's hearing this bad news. And then he looks at the the, the apostles. Remember what they said? They're going to hear that you've come. What should we do? And so the apostles give Paul some direction. He doesn't even say The apostles go, so do what we tell you. One thing I love about the apostle Paul is his willingness to submit to spiritual authority and to serve the house. Paul could have easily said, do you not know who I am? I got a TV ministry, bruh. I got right hand rings on. You know what I'm saying? Like I am the apostle Paul. But he just looks at his leaders. He said, what do you you want from me? They go, do what we tell you. And so they say, we've got these four guys who are under a vow. This is a Nazarite vow. These are new Christians that have come from Judaism and the Nazarite vow found in number six is a very old traditional vow. I'll explain it in just a second. They tell Paul, hey, walk these guys through this old tradition and then purify yourself along with them. Paul's probably going, I don't even need to do this stuff anymore. I don't even believe in this stuff anymore. I don't believe in purification to get holy. I don't believe in taking a Nazarite vow. So the Nazarite vow was a a timed vow, 30, 60, 90, 365-day vow, where you say, I'm gonna consecrate myself to God for prayer, devotion, and focus. I'm not gonna eat anything from the vine, no grapes, no grape jelly, y'all. Come on, somebody. Wine, no balsamic vinegar, nothing from grapes. And I'm not gonna cut my hair for the length of this vow. And then when the vow is over, I'm gonna shave my grown hair and burn it before God as an offering that I'm closing out this vow. It's a voluntary time of consecration to God. How many of us would argue with somebody going, I wanna spend six months in consecration to God? The problem was these young boys thought they had to do it to please God. Now, Paul could have come in and just said, hey bro, you don't have to do that, that's stupid. You don't even have to do that, man. I'm free in Christ. You don't. Or he could have said, you know what guys, Let me do this vow with you this time. And I'm gonna take you on a journey of showing you how Christ completes the need for that. You'll never have to do it again, but you know what, I could use a haircut too. And I could use six months of prayer. I could use three weeks of dedication to the Lord. So they said, here's these young guys in a vow, take them and go through the vow, purify yourself, pay their expenses. At the end of the Nazarite vow, you come to the priest and you offer an offering That's costly to you. You pay for the animal you sacrifice. You pay for the services of this vow. And they said, you know what? Take these boys through the vow and pay for their expenses. And then everyone will know. Oh, yeah, and shave your head. Everybody that's bald needs a verse from the Bible. Here it is. Acts 21, 24. And shave your head. And they said, so now everyone will know there's nothing in what they've been saying about you. So here's his pastors, elders trying to protect him. You're being falsely accused. Here's what we want you to do, Paul. Just go do life with some of these guys coming out of Judaism, walk them through their vow so people will know like you're not trying to disregard the customs. But it's also an opportunity for Paul to disciple and teach these young boys how to follow Jesus. They said, then everybody will know there's nothing in what they've been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. It's a strange text, honestly. But I wanna explain it to you. Paul was willing to accommodate people who were not as spiritually understanding and mature as himself. He, he takes on this voluntary vow with these young men because his pastors asked him to. Hey guys, listen, can you invite someone to your small group because your pastor asked you to? Can you join a small group because I asked you to? Can you, can you help out with bags by the bumpers? Can you accommodate the needs of others just because we asked you to? And Paul was just submitted to his leadership. Some would argue this is hypocritical of Paul because he preached over and over again, you don't have to observe the law to work your way to God. But he's not hypocritical. It's actually, it's consistent with his heart to accommodate to the weaker brother. In fact, let me just give you this text and I'll close. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says it like this. I'm free from everybody, but I've made myself a servant or a slave to everyone. Why? So that I may win more people to Jesus. He says, to the Jews, I become more Jewish so that I can win Jews. To those under the law, those strict pharisaical scribes, whatever, I become like one under the law. Though I'm not under the law, I become like it so that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, listen to this, the unbelievers, I became like one outside of the law, but I'm not outside of the law because I'm under Christ. Here's what he said, I'm not compromising. But I'll, 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 I'll hear their music. I'll hang out with where they are. I'll, I'll do life with them without doing their life so that I might win those outside of the law. Let me just encourage you. You should be able to accommodate people based on where they're at without compromising your values. Don't give in to sin to reach sinners. You know what I'm saying? Like, like accommodate, say, hey, I understand this, you know, whatever. But don't go, I'm gonna go to the bars and get hammered with folks to win them to the Lord. That's foolishness. Paul says, I've become like them without becoming them so that I might win those outside. To the weak, I become weak. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save somebody. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with those people in the blessings of the gospel. Here's the point, we gotta be willing to do whatever we can to help others get on this winning team. Share the good news, get people excited about what God's doing. He's growing his church, he's changing lives, he's healing families, we're feeding soldiers, we're doing bags by the bumpers, God is so good. And you may not even understand it all yet, but I'll, you may not understand it yet, neighbor, but I'll come over to your side of the street to tell you about it. You may not get it yet, boss, but I'll come to your side of the office. I'll wait for you, I'll be patient with you, I'll accommodate to you while you learn more about him. We accommodate to others, but don't compromise. We're not slipping to reach people. You don't get on God's team through sin, You don't win by losing. Finally, in the text back in Acts 21, they said, hey, work with these Jewish boys, these four Jewish guys, Paul, you walk them through to Jesus. And then James says, and as for the Gentiles who have believed, we've sent them a letter with our judgment. Now you gotta think of how great this is pastorally. We've got Jewish people coming to Jesus, we got Gentiles coming to Jesus, and both of them need different discipleship. To the Jews, you need to walk with them through this this vow, spend the next 30, 60, 90 days with them, shave your head too, pay for their offering. And with the Gentiles coming out of paganism and cult prostitution and blood drinking and all these kind of idolatrous things, we sent them a letter with our judgment. They should abstain from what's been sacrificed to idols. They should abstain from drinking their blood. Did I skip that last verse? Yeah, abstain from what's been sacrificed to idols and from blood. They should abstain from what's been strangled and Abstain from sexual immorality. How many of you know both groups of people need Jesus and both of them have a different pathway? That's good pastoring. Not everybody gets to Jesus the same way. They're gonna get to Jesus, but some of your friends need discipleship through religion. Some of your friends need discipleship out of godlessness and worldliness. We get to walk both groups through. So Paul took, took the four men and the next day he purified himself. He went to the temple. He gave notice to the priests. When this purification ritual would be over, and he even paid for their offering to be presented. I love that Paul ends this whole thing, he never got in the weeds on the drama, did you see that? He never defended it, he never got caught up, he stayed winning and then he looks at this other group of boys as an opportunity to win again for Jesus. Can I just invite you church? I wanna encourage you to find your side, yourself on the side of Jesus. We win with a big God. He is still doing amazing things. He's still changing lives. He's still changing the world. Can we focus our attention on that more than the darkness and the drama and the pain and the politics of our crazy world? Let's become evangelists of this great news again. Meet people where they're at man. ask questions. Meet people where they're at and don't compromise the truth or godly living to bring people to faith in this amazing God. Be served. Did you get anything out of this message today, everybody? Come on, awesome Austin Pete. Let me pray for you. I know I gave you a lot. It's a big text, it's an awkward text, and we went a little long a few minutes over, but I just wanna pray for you. God, help your people walk in victory every single day. Remind us, Lord God, that we belong to the King of the universe, that we belong to the King of glory, that we belong to Jesus Christ, our risen savior. And because of our faith in Christ, we have victory over this present darkness. We have victory in Jesus every single day. I thank you, Lord God, that you are doing great things in your church. Lord, I love that text in Isaiah where it says, behold, can you not see it? Do you not sense it? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I pray that we would always sense and behold the new and amazing victorious things that you are doing in your church. And I pray, Lord God, for LifePoint at every location that God, we would be stirred to victory in Jesus, that we would be excited to tell people that God is still good and still on the throne and still doing great things. And Lord, would you fill us with a word in due season to invite others to know Christ. God, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, whether they're inside or outside, maybe we got some church folks that need to be set free of some church baggage. Maybe God, we've got some unbelievers that need to be walked away from idolatry. Whatever it is, God, give us the wisdom to lead people back to you, to be winning team evangelists. Jesus' name. Can you open your hands to the Lord, everybody across this church at every location and just say this with me. God, I believe in Jesus that he raised from the dead, offering my salvation, my sonship to the most high God and say, I confess my sin. I receive your salvation. I accept your forgiveness and I will walk with you and for you for the rest of my life. Say, use me God to make a big difference as a victorious child of the most high God. Say, I'm all in. I'm all in. In Jesus name. Come on everybody. Amen. 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 Amen.